This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Last year, we and the rest of the world watched as the US Supreme Court overturned the landmark 1973 ruling of Road v. Wade, which guaranteed American women the right to safe and legal abortions in the main. And in the months that followed that, uh, the move unleashed a slew of changes in many states as they very rapidly reversed laws based on the Road v. Wade decision. Now, if it could happen so easily in the land of the free, it's a stark reminder that big things can change rapidly and affect millions of people anywhere, not just with regard to abortions either. But that is the topic we're looking at this morning. How has abortion legislation in New Zealand changed over the years and what of the future? A new book from Dr. Felicity Goodyear-Smith called From Crime to Care, The History of Abortion in Aotearoa, New Zealand, looks into this in some depth. Felicity was an abortion certifying consultant from 1981 through to 2020 when abortion was decriminalised in New Zealand. In the book, she chronicles her history on the subject from pre-colonial times right through the late 19th century and into the rapidly changing and arguably more liberal attitudes of the uh, post-World War II decades. But the book's particular focus is on the 1970s, covering the setting up of the first abortion clinic in 1974 in the face of somewhat strenuous opposition by the strong anti-abortion movements at the time. Dr Goodyear-Smith says although New Zealand's abortion law has gone from being a criminal to a health concern, the US Supreme Court decision shows us just how quickly and how easily liberal laws can be undone. And she says New Zealand has to ensure its reforms are robust and that they endure. And... She joins me now. Kia ora, Felicity. Thanks for your time this morning. Kia ora. This is a big book. Well, yes, I mean, it's, it's not a very long book, but it's, uh, it's quite a comprehensive history, I guess. I mean, when I say it's a big book, it's certainly a big subject. And, uh, yeah, you're right, it's only a couple of hundred pages, but it, it packs a lot in there. Um, what drove you to want to write it? Well, mostly it was um, the... Um, the person who set up the first abortion clinic, uh, Dr. Rex Hunton, actually taught me at medical school, and he was an incredibly inspiring um, uh, person whom I subsequently knew and um, had spent time with him and his wife when he was dying in uh, 2020. Uh, and really, the book is a tribute to him because in the face of huge adversary, um, uh, uh, um, adversarial conditions, he saw the need and he set up his first clinic uh, and it unleashed um, <laughs> it unleashed a torrent of um, uh, of challenge, to put it mildly. Hmm. And you were right in the midst of it all when it was happening. Well, I mean, I was at medical school in those days, and I wasn't actually um, involved in um, you know in working at the clinic. Uh, it was only subsequently when I had then travelled and come back to New Zealand, and I was a GP in Freeman's Bay that I um, I became a certifying consultant. Uh, the fact that we needed certifying consultants was actually the result of a very retrograde law that was passed in 1977, uh, the um, uh, contraceptive sterilisation and abortion law, which actually made uh, abortion um, very much a crime unless you had legal grounds. And so the role of the certifying consultant was to assess women as to whether they had legal grounds for an abortion or not. It sounds like pretty stressful kind of work and also a, an extremely difficult area to be working in. Well, I mean, 
I think um, we, we were dealing with a bad law that had been the consequence of the Society for Protection of Unborn Child challenges, really, and the Royal Commission that was set up in the in the seventies. But actually, as far as the work was concerned, I mean, we're seeing seeing women who um, who had unplanned, unwanted pregnancies, um, whose lives would be um, very adversely affected um, should they um, be uh, forced to have the pregnancy continue. And really, the role of the certified consultant was, you know, it, it became really to ensure that they were very sure that this was their decision. And clearly, um, if if they had to continue the pregnancy against their will, then their, their, their mental health would suffer. And so, in effect, it was sort of a workaround the law. I want to back the train up a bit here, Felicity, and go back to the beginning of all this, because abortion as a subject, I guess, has been around as long as human beings have been around. What do you do in those in those circumstances where uh, it's often uh, an emotional subject that... that decisions about how we do it or whether we do it or not and and what the circumstances might be surrounding it go back centuries in our relatively small uh, or relatively young country even going back 180 years there's a lot to unpack in our history which you which you've done quite successfully in the book you explain it extremely well but there's a lot in there covering that period from our, our way our, you know very first years as a country through to where we are now um what, what was it like researching that, and, and in particular with you know the emphasis on on our experience in this country? Well, I mean, I I did know some of it, but I got huge amounts of archival material, um, uh, uh, both from the Auckland McLeod Trust, who had boxes and boxes and boxes of all sorts of material, and then of course I went to libraries and read books and uh, into the National Library and the. Um, also, the museum library in Auckland has uh, had huge amounts of archival material that I that I went through, and really it was just a matter of piecing it all together and looking at um, looking at it chronologically as to you know what what had happened, even even um, how Maori ad- addressed this issue because every culture has to address this issue, uh, particularly p- before contraception, uh, and then um, and then what was happening in colonial times in New Zealand um, through through the World Wars and then. Uh, into the more liberal, slightly liberal um, uh, environment of the, um, you know, the seventies and eighties. Where, in your view, where are we now in terms of the uh, robustness and the and the sensibility of the laws in this country? Well, I mean, we've had a legislative change, and we've now taken abortion out of the Crimes Act and into the health uh, arena, which is where it belongs. Uh, that that didn't happen in America. That was a Supreme Court ruling. Um, uh, Roe versus Wade, and so in fact, many states had kept um, anti-abortion laws on their books, and all it was they were called sort of laws in waiting. And as soon as that ruling was overturned, they could just reenact their laws. And now we don't have that. Um, we have um, to, to, over, to overthrow this would take um, uh, would take a new law and putting uh, abortion back into the Crimes Act. So that's a much bigger step than that, that's happened in the United States. Is... Uh, the other things about the United States are that they are um, much more um, we, we're much more secular country than they are, and we're also not as politically polarized. Uh, and so I think the chances of what's happened in the states and having uh, abortion uh, made illegal again um, is much less likely to happen in New Zealand than it is in um, than has happened in the states but on the other hand I mean societies go through 
huge swings and changes in ter- terms of um, you know, m- uh, moral outrages and liberalisation. And so and I don't think we should be complacent. Well, that was where I was uh, going to go next because uh, despite the fact that our structure is different, our law, our legal structures are different and we do things differently, we're also not a, a, um, a union of states. We're just a, a single country. Um, things should be much more straightforward and, as you say, it would take a major shift for that to change. But is there still in this country a strong anti-abortion uh, movement? Are, are there groups that would like to see those changes in the future? There's certainly groups, um, and you know, this is SPUC uh, has been renamed as um, the Voice for Life, and there's another one called the Right for Life uh, that that was an offshoot of SPUC, uh, and they would certainly like uh, the the law to be changed because they they actually see that life begins at conception and that all abortion is murder, and that, you know, and that's clearly you know, and you have to respect that that's their view. But I mean, I interviewed a couple of those people for my book because I interviewed quite a number of people. And actually, they said, look, we don't have the numbers now. Um, you know, that they had to accept that, that society's changed, the law has changed, and they're not going to be able to, uh, able to overturn this. So I don't think, um, you know, that they're not the force to be reckoned with that they were in the 70s where uh, they, were, um, you know, they were a very powerful lobby group. They had a lot of money. They were... Um, uh, disseminating their message through the churches, they were influencing uh, politicians, uh, they were influencing laws. That they were a pretty major force, and they're pretty much uh, you know, um, much smaller and uh, and less powerful these days. But you get the sense that they may be just biding their time, though, because there's some of that rhetoric still exists in the sort of far right leanings of some of the more extreme and fringe political uh, groups that are out there uh, well, are, are they just always, wa- waiting for their moment well i think i mean i think there will be some people who are waiting for their moment and i think there will always be anti-abortionists i mean that's the nature of, of of the human condition and you know i can understand where they're coming from their perspective but they may be biding their time but i think um the times would have to change an awful lot before actually there was something they could they could really do I um, mean, public opinion. Um, public opinion for a long time has been um, the majority have been um, pro-abortion, uh, not necessarily across the board, but certainly for you know, um, from a number of situations, for instance, with incest and rape and um, uh, and abnormal um, you know uh, fetuses that, that that aren't going to be viable with life. All of those things, of course, were illegally were not grounds for an abortion until the law changed. Um, so I think public opinion is very much, though, um, pro-abortion. And I don't think uh, that um, the, uh, the anti-abortionist groups uh, are really going to be able to do much, um, certainly not in the current environment. It's still a very emotive subject, though, isn't it? And uh, you know, in the circumstances that you've just described, uh, for example, it becomes a very personal story and very, uh, very much an individual story as to uh, whether an abortion would A, be something you would think of and, uh, and whether it should, in fact, happen. I wonder what your feeling is about where we are now. Our, our, now that it's moved into the health sector as being a health issue rather than a crime issue, um, is our legal support for that strong enough at the moment? or Are there still changes we could make to make it even better? 
Oh, I think you know, it's not many, so much legal changes. Well, there is one legal change actually, but but in terms of actual care for women, uh, because it's no longer um, in, uh, you know sort of a, a secret sort of under the Crimes Act, uh, we now have really good services, just like all other women's health services. It's it's it, it belongs in the same place, and um, and access has become much easier. Uh, women are having abortions earlier now. Uh, because of uh, because of changes in um, uh, in in p- providing services throughout the country, so they don't have to wait till they're twelve weeks. They may well be getting it um, at six or seven weeks, eight weeks, which is obviously better. A lot more medical abortions taking place. Um, so all of those things, um, you know, the, and it's you now people are being trained in abortion provision now. There's conferences, um, there's guidelines. Um, you know, it's really become part of general health care. Uh, the, the one thing the law didn't do was um, it, it said that abortion uh, is is a woman's choice up to 20 weeks. And after that, it then becomes a legal decision again. Uh, and I think that could probably change as well, because most of the abortions um, over 20 weeks are generally... Uh, because women have discovered that they have an abnormal fetus that they really need to abort, even though it was truly um, a wanted child. Mm. Uh, and so that really is an anomaly that um, I think could be addressed in, in, in future legislation. Just finally, Felicity, uh, how does New Zealand stand in the global scene as far as our laws and our, our aftercare and all those sort of things are concerned? Uh, do you regard us as being leaders in that area or, or are we up there with um, some other more progressive countries oh i think we have we have uh, stepped up to where a lot of other countries already were such as australia canada the u.s scandinavia um so you know we're not leaders uh but we're actually um you know n- now i mean a lot of people were absolutely astounded from you know my colleagues from overseas that new zealand was actually uh you know had this um had this this law and that abortion wasn't freely available in in this country because we're so liberal in lots of other ways in terms of um you know gay marriage and illegalizing prostitution euthanasia uh and so this was quite an anomaly uh, and i think we've actually just uh, redressed the balance so we're where we, we should be where we should be yes yeah. <laughs> You've, uh, your book is a fascinating chronology of where we've come from to where we are now and uh, and I applaud the fact that you took the time to write it because um, you're writing a book's not on everybody's agenda but you were uh, informed enough and had access to the right information to be able to put together a fascinating read and it's, uh, it's one I strongly recommend. Really appreciate your time this morning, Felicity. Thanks so much for making yourself available. Oh, thank you, Mike. Okay. Good to talk to you. Goodbye. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.